Amen. Hi, guys. I love you all so much. And I miss everybody who isn't here. Wish that you, everybody could all be together. But it's nice to have some of you here. I'm thankful to see your faces. And so I wanted to start this morning and share a few testimonies. Are you all ready for some testimonies? OK, so I, the first one that came to my mind, I was just thinking through different times that I've seen God move in power. And this one just came straight to the forefront. And it was when I was a senior, I did a study abroad um, program in Costa Rica. Tyler and I were actually just recently engaged. I was missing him so bad. And I actually took one of his t-shirts that he wore all the time, squirted his cologne all over it, and slept with it <laughs> every night. That's how in love I was with Tyler. We were engaged, so it was like, you know, it was allowed to be that in love, you know? And so anyway, I was like really missing him, okay? And I was sitting in my classroom one day, and the I mean, just the emotion of it all. There had been some, like, a little bit of conflict with another one of the people that was on the trip with me. And she and I were, like, kind of sharing a lot of space. And we just, like, had not really gotten along that well. And it was kind of hard for me. I like everything to be really peaceful and unified. And I was missing Tyler. I think it was, like, my dad's birthday. And they had all gathered. And I was really missing my parents. I was homesick. And I left my um, little hut that we did our little... Uh, studies, or language studies in, and I was sitting out on this pavilion area, and I was crying my eyes out like a baby. And this lady comes by, and she was one of the workers there at the little language college, and she was like, what's wrong, senorita, you know? And I was like, I'm muy triste, just, and I was just telling her how sad I was, and she was like, listen, and I remember she put her arm around me, and she was just like so like uh, aware and caring, and I mean, I've been thinking about, you know, just a cup of cold water is like the gospel, you know? Just the simple things, you guys, are what change people and what make a huge difference. Just actually listening to someone when they're sad, you know? And I was just so grateful for her. It was like she was literally like Jesus to me. And I missed everybody that I loved was there. It felt like an unsafe place. She was like Jesus to me in that moment. And then she kind of put me in my place, and she was like, well, this is really sad, and I'm sorry, but I have something much sadder going on in my life, you know? And I was like, well, what is it, you know? And she was like, I have a lot of, like, very, um, like, un alarming, unhealthy lumps in my breast, and they think I have cancer. I'm going tomorrow for, like, the first diagnostic treatment, you know, kind of moving forward. And I was like, this is it. Jesus is going to heal this lady. You know, she was like Jesus to me. He is going to heal her. And I just had this faith that only can come from God in my little 21-year-old body. And I was like, Jesus is going to heal you right now, you know. And I prayed for her. And y'all, she went the next day. And there were no more lumps in her breast. Like, she was completely healed. Like, they were gone. And she came. And she told, we told the whole like, language university. Everybody celebrated and acknowledged God as the miracle worker. And it was amazing, you guys. He touched her body and healed her from cancer or whatever it was that she had, the lumps in her body. And so isn't that so cool? Okay, and then here's another testimony. Um, it was when Gwyneth, our four-year-old, was like a tiny baby. She was like three months old. And if anybody's ever had a baby before, when you're, you have a three-month-old, you feel like you're dying, you know? It's just you haven't slept in so long, and you're like, someone help me, and you know? And so, but I had this great idea to go to the beach because I really wanted my big kids to go to the beach, and they had like missed out on going to the beach all these years because we kept having babies, and she was our fourth, and I was like, by golly, 
we're going, you know? And so, but it was like hectic and crazy. And so we went to the beach and at the end of it all, we were like, I mean, the, the stories I could tell, the whole sermon could just be bad stories of this terrible beach trip. It was just not a good time. And there was this time, it was the year that there was flesh eating bacteria in the water in Galveston, you know? So we couldn't even like get in the water and it was just like, whatever. And so it was like my like enthusiastic dream without like taking hold of reality, you know? And so at the end of it, my parents were with us, and they took the big kids, and I, we were at the candy store there on the Strand. If anybody's ever been there, they've got a cute little candy store. So we'd been there, and I was standing out pushing fussy little Gwyneth back and forth in her little carrier, and Tyler had, like, literally been, was, like, running, looking for our car that had been parked somewhere near the Strand, but it was, like, on one of the off-roads, and then he, like, couldn't find it. And so for like 45 minutes, I stood in front of the candy store waiting for Tyler. I'm like, he's died. I don't know where he is. Something did, because it had been such a bad day already. You know, it was like, certainly, you know, something else terrible has happened. But he couldn't find the car. He'd been literally running around looking for our car. And my parents had already gone. I didn't have a cell phone with me. And so I was just like pushing fussy Gwyneth in the heat. And this girl was standing like a couple feet away from me, and she was standing in front of this tattoo parlor, I think it's what it is, like, that she, she worked there, obviously, and was, like, handing out flyers to either for the shop or, like, to some party or something, and, and she was just handing out the flyers. And so it was, like, in the middle of all of this going on, I, like, saw her, and the Lord was just, like, ding, 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 like, laser, you know, like, talk to her, you know? And so I was, like, okay, hey, you know, just, like, just engaged out of, like, you know, obedience, really. And I was, like, I... And I just shared my little 30-second testimony with her. I follow Jesus. This is what it looked like for me before I met him as my true king. He's alive, and he's changed my life, and he can change your life, too. He's the only reason worth living, you know, just super simple. And I asked her a few questions about her life. She was not following Jesus. She was, like, very interested in, like, New Age and... Um, was like, I've tried it all, like, very interested in, like, the food she ate and thought that it could, like heal her. I, I mean, it, food can heal. But anyway, she just had like a lot of faith in things that weren't God. It was very clear she did not believe in God said that. And I was like, but thanks for your story, you know, and I appreciate talking to you. It was like a really genuine, sweet connection, but like very little hunger, you know. So I walked away. I wasn't like, this girl, like she's so hungry for Jesus. But I was like honored to know her, valued her, and it was like mutual. And then I left. So a whole year goes by after this terrible day, and we go back to the beach, and we were at the candy store, and I look over, and I see the same girl one whole year later, and she still worked at the tattoo shop, and I walked over to her, and she was like, I was like, did you, I don't know if you remember me, but I was there with the baby, and, and I was waiting for my husband, I couldn't find him, and she's like, I remember you, and I was like, she goes, I put my faith in Jesus. And I was like, you did what? And she was like, y'all, she talked about, she was like, I trusted him for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm a sinner and I needed him to heal me. And then I was received the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it's given me power to live my life. And I was like, yes, that's right. You know, it's so cool. And I was like, you never get to see that. You know, when you just share the gospel with random people, you never get to go back and see them. It was so sweet. And so I just wanted to share that. I hope that encourages you. And then I wanted to share just a few really practical things that I feel like the Lord has been teaching me or that I've been like practicing during the quarantine situation. And so first, um, it was from my friend Christy Martin. If anybody loves and knows Christy Martin, she's amazing. And she 
told me this, that she was practicing this, and it totally convicted me. And she said, I am working on listening. She's like, I realized I don't, I'm like, I'm a great listener. If you've ever talked to Chris, she really is, you know? So I was like, how are you, how could you even get better, you know? And she was like, but I'm really going to work on listening. And I was so, so convicted. I was like, I am not a very good listener. And so since she told me that, it was like probably like five weeks ago or so, I had been practicing, and I was asking the Lord, how, do you, how are you going to teach me to be a better listener? And the first thing he said is, don't interrupt people. Okay, and so if you're aware of this, I'm an interrupter, come from a long line of interrupters. And so I was like, as I've worked on it, I realized that like a lot of people do this, you guys, like more than you might think. And usually it's just out of like enthusiasm or like excitement, you know, being interested in the conversation, but it actually almost always interrupt, well, it does interrupt the person's train of thought, you know, and then you don't know exactly what it is that you were trying to say. And then it also shows that you, think you understood what they were trying to say, like before they actually were able to say it, and then it really shows that you actually weren't listening, you know? And so I've learned a lot about this whole interrupting thing, and I'm just practicing. I just wanted to invite all of you who are interested to practice with me just the simple act of trying to commit to not interrupting people and see how it goes for you. And I think you'll realize that you might do it more than you think, and that that means that you might not be as good of a listener as you think you are. And so that, and then, and then just like, this, if you're not interrupting, and you're like focusing on don't interrupt, don't interrupt, then you make yourself listen, and then you have like a much more thoughtful response, and they feel way more valued. One practical. Okay, the second thing is one day Gwyneth came running up to me, and if you know her, well, the thing that I said out of my mouth was, you are filled with fire. And if you've ever met Gwyneth, she really is. She's filled with fire, like just explosion, explosion or simmer or I don't know what. But, and so then I just felt like I asked the Lord, God, what, what is Evelyn filled with? What is, what? And I just started asking them, him that question about my kids. And I felt like he said, Evelyn's filled with honey. And if you know her, she really is. She's just so sweet, you know. And then I asked about Madeline, she's filled with gold, and, and then Ethan's filled with strength, and Graham was filled with courage. And so just a simple little thing that's just a fun activity to do when you're thinking about the people that you love, and like, what, God, what have you put inside of them? And if you look at them and you see that, then it, it helps you love them more, and like helps you encourage them more, and like the whole mindset really is not just with your kids, but with everybody looking at them with the potential that's inside of them and like longing to see it all come out, you know, and want to love them like a mother and a father and not just like an older brother who's trying to get your own way. And so that's another short little thing. And then lastly, I feel like he's been teaching me about this this definition of intercession, okay? So intercession is this big word for prayer that sometimes feels kind of confusing. And um, Connor did such a good job talking about prayer, by the way. I loved that sermon. You should go back and listen to it. But um, what I feel like the Lord has continually told me about intercession recently is a simplified um, definition, which is asking the Father, Father God, what are you doing? And then asking the question, how can I help? And so as we are interceding or stepping into a situation to help be his hands and his feet, asking the question, what are you doing? And then how, how can I help you? How can I help? What, is there anything I can do to help? And so just putting that out there as a little tool, as you're listening to the Lord, as you're praying for others, what are you doing in this situation? Or even just walking into a room, what are you doing in this room right now? How can I help? Oh, go talk to that person. Go, you know, I need, my, what's going on in my family? Lord, what are you doing with my parents right now? Well, I'm really whatever, listening to him, I'm teaching about this or that, how, how can I help, you know, why don't you, so I, like about my grandma, I, I like 
felt like that question, he's trying to show her she's not alone. So I had all of our kids write her notes this week, and we're going to send them next week, like, one day after the other, you know, so she gets a letter in the mail every single day. So just, like, little practical things that you can do just to show Jesus' love to people. Um, and in that, I, I was asking him the question just about the chaos, you know, the all of the crazy things that are happening in our world right now. And I felt like when I asked him that question, like, Lord, big picture, what are you doing? I felt like one of the things that he told me or showed me was, Ashley, right now, in the midst of all of this chaos, I am showing people who they truly follow. I'm showing them who they truly follow. Who is really your leader? Who is really your source of comfort, life, peace? And the Lord is revealing that to us through this chaos that we're living in right now. And I think for some of us, for me, I have found that there are certain areas and certain parts of where I'm like, I trust in anxiety or control way more than I trust in God or whatever, you know, and we can see it. And I think that with that, the Lord is also just kind of like simplifying things. I think that with all of the chaos that's going on right now, that there is this, this place of trying to make the simple ways of God feel confusing or even just bring division within, within churches, but within families by making any word that someone might say sound like um, it is critical or judgmental or wrong or um, like, like bad somehow. Like any word is like filtered with this like critical, divisive, judgmental tone. And so it doesn't really matter what we say to one another like we're all just like afraid of hurting someone's feelings or feeling like, you know, and it's just like we're all kind of like bound up and it's making the truth of God feel like it's not really true, the simplicity of it. It's like confusing. And I feel like today the Lord is just saying, Shh, like I am holy and there is no one beside me. He's holy. He is perfect and there is no one like him. There's no one beside him. And like Tyler prayed or said earlier, like he is the only person, the only one that can set us free. The only one that is the answer to any of the things that we're all facing right now is Jesus Christ alone. And so I feel like that, that simplicity in, in showing us who we follow is um, something that he's wanting to highlight. And in it, I felt like he gave me this like equation. Okay. So this is, I'm sorry if this is like oversimplified, but y'all can put it up. Um, I felt like he just said, what you watch or what you see plus what you think about all the time or dwell upon equals what you believe, your beliefs, okay? So it's super simple. What you watch and what you see and what you think about all the time, dwell upon, equals what you believe. And then your belief dictates how you act, your behavior, which equals who you are. And so it's just a very simple, like, like, equation. It is an absolute truth. It's just my idea. But I feel like what I'm seeing is that if we're ingesting a ton of critical information, a ton of divisive information, news, stories, um, 
ideas, perspectives that are divisive and critical and judgmental and tearing down of certain people or others, whatever it is, that if that is what we're watching and looking at and thinking about, it will be what we believe. And then what we believe will dictate how we act and then it will become who we are. And so as a people, we want to be people that are informed and loving and like action oriented to help bring solutions to the terrible things that are going on and not ignore them. We want to be filled with love, but we want to be looking at and focusing on and thinking about the things of heaven the things of God, the truth of the Bible, not the truth of this world, the advice that comes from the scriptures. That's what we want to be thinking about and dwelling upon and eating and drinking and thinking all the time. And then it will dictate what we believe and that will dictate how we act and then it will become who we are. Does that make sense? And so super simple, but I just wanted to share that with you and just encourage you to act like if, if you need a little adjustment on what it is that you're intaking all the time, just do it, you know, just take the things that are good, you know, and it will help make your heart holy and look more like God. Okay, and so then the last two things before I feel like I get into the meat of my message is this morning I felt like the Lord highlighted someone or a few people maybe, but I saw this picture of someone in like a green shirt or green clothing, and I felt like he wanted to heal um, your bones, like something going on with bones. It might be somebody at home, I don't know, but just either a bone issue of some kind or broken bones. And even if you're not wearing a green shirt, I just felt like there was like a anointing for the Lord, from the Lord today, specifically for people with bone problems. And he wanted to heal it. And I felt like the promise over your life was that you would be like a well-watered garden whose springs never fail and that he he wants you to know that he doesn't just love you, but he, he wants you. He wants to be with you and um, that he's thankful for you. And so um, there's that word. And I, I feel like at the end, if you, if you know that it's you, well, I'll just pray right now. Lord, I just ask for healing now in Jesus' name over every bone issue that is being represented in this room right now or on the stream. Any person that needs healing, Father, I just pray um, that you would heal them in the name of Jesus. Amen. And then lastly, and this kind of ties into my sermon, but I just felt like there was this, like, uh, several people, if not, like, I don't know, more than, like, a lot of people that could potentially be struggling with just, like, a tormenting fear. And the Lord highlighted a really specific thing um, to just kind of identify yourself, and it was that there are potentially people that have been having dreams of, like, not being able to move or speak or shout, like you need to get away from something or go towards something for help and you can't move or you can't shout out or speak or cry out for help. And I feel like specifically if you've been having those kinds of dreams, like at night when you're sleeping, that the Lord is like wanting to set you free today and that there is like breakthrough available for you today from tormenting fear. Um, and so... Let's talk about the holiness of God. Okay, so Colossians 1. Okay, so these people in, in Colossians 1 were devoted to Jesus, okay? They, were, they loved him. And so Paul says in verse 9, For this reason I, 
But for this reason, since the day that we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives you, so that you might live a life worthy of the Lord, please him in every way, bearing fruit of every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power to do what he's asked you to do, great endurance and patience, and then they're thankful for him, you know, and they're asking, Paul is saying, I want, um, you are, okay, sorry, he's giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. He has rescued you from the dominion of darkness, praise God, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so then he describes Jesus. I love this one of my favorite passages. If you don't have this passage memorized and locked inside your heart, so if you're on like a deserted island, do you need help? You need the Colossians 1.15. Okay, so you need to memorize this sucker. Okay, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God is pleased to have all of the fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood that he shed on the cross. So that is Jesus. We're going to read one more passage about him. And, um, well, a, a, little, a few more than one. Okay, and so then it says in Revelation, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on a white horse and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written. Say it out loud. King of kings and Lord of lords. It is who he is. And so First Peter says, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Psalm 22 says, yet you are holy, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Isaiah 57 says, for thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I will dwell in a high and holy place and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Isaiah 6 says, And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Revelation 4 says, And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. First Samuel, there is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Exodus 15, who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? 
Psalm 15, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Who knows the answer? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Um, Psalm 47, God reigns over the nations and he sits in his holy, on his holy throne. So that's just like a tiny little smithering of the millions of verses that talk about his holiness. He is so holy. And God, the holy one, the, the perfect one, um, his perfect son, Jesus Christ, he came to earth and he was fully man. There's no way we can ever comprehend how he was fully man and fully God, but he was. And he was born of a virgin named Mary and he grew up perfect. It said that he was tempted in every single way that we are tempted. And he never chose to sin one time, not, never one time. And he was perfect. He was the only one that was found perfect ever. And he was crucified on the cross. And when he died, the blood that he spilt was the payment for all of the sin that we have ever committed in our life. Every act and evil deed that was ever done to you, every act and evil deed that was ever done to your descendants, to, that you have done to another, it was all paid for on the cross through Jesus' blood that he spilt. One death covered over every single death, over every single disease, over every single fear, over every single insecurity and accusation and wrongdoing and wrong thinking and doctrinal issue and every hardship on planet earth that you could ever imagine, his blood was spilled for that. And it was enough for it. It was all that we ever needed. One perfect death of Jesus Christ. And then he spilled his blood on our behalf, on your behalf. And then he raised from the dead. And he said, there is no more suffering and pain. And, and, and not only are, am I conquering death, I am offering you the gift of eternal life. And so I tell the kids this all the time when they're like, when I'm trying to help them understand such a huge issue of salvation, you know, I tell them, if you've ever been alone in the forest, or if you imagine being alone in the forest and you're together with me and dad, and then all of a sudden you turn around and you look and we're gone. And we can't find us. And you're like running all around the forest going, mom, dad, dad and you're scared and alone and all you want to do is be together with us again that is hell that is what hell is like to be apart from god the father forever and without jesus that is our eternal future but because of jesus he said i am making a way jesus is the way and the truth and the life no one can come to the father except through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said, I am making a way for you to not only have abundant, like and not only have eternal life forever and never be separated from the Father again, but to know him now through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the indwelt presence of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead comes and dwells inside of us. It's crazy. We are, are buried in our transgression and our sin, and we are raised to walk in newness. We are born again, a new creation. And Nicodemus asked Jesus this question, and he says, Jesus says, do not be, do not be confused. Listen to me. You must 
be born again. It's hard to understand, but it's the truth. And so when we put our hope and our trust like the girl in Galveston, I, Jesus, need, I needed him to save me from my sin. I needed Jesus to rescue me. Without him, I was destined to be apart from the Father forever. He was the only way. I put my, he is, I put my trust in Jesus. He saved me. I was born again. And now to follow him forever and be together forever in heaven with the Father. Never to have that feeling of being alone again. That is Jesus. And it is only in his holiness that, that we, I mean, because he is holy and we are not, that is why we need Jesus' blood. Does that make sense? Because Jesus' blood was holy and perfect and it paid the way for our unholiness to partner with God forever. He made the way. He is the bridge. And I feel like with that story and with all that's going on right now, that God the Father is just wrapped, the picture I get is him like wrapping his huge arms around every single person and saying, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And he's just wrapping his huge arms around you and he's saying, I have not given you a spirit of fear. I've given you power love, and a sound mind. That is what you have in God when he's wrapping his big old arms around you. And that's what he's wanting to tell you today. And he's wanting you to know him and be saved. If you know you've never been born again, today is your day. Not just to, be, to, 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 think, to, to watch the right things, but to give your life to Jesus for the first time ever. And so, okay, and then very practically, what I felt like the Lord wanted to share with us today was out of 2 Timothy, um, just in response to this. And so if you have your Bible, you can open it. And if not, I think we'll have it up here. But this is a letter that Paul was writing to Timothy, one of, one of his main key disciples. And it's interesting, in 1 Timothy, Paul says, fight the good fight, finish the race. And so when he's writing... Second Timothy, he is in a prison in Rome, really close to the end of his life. And it's like the, the tone has changed. Instead of in 1 Timothy, fight the good fight, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. He's getting close to the end, okay? And so you can sense in this letter that he's like, listen, buddy, if I got to tell you something important, I'm going to tell you it now. I'm going to shoot you straight, you know? And you kind of get that sense in that tone like he is writing from a jail cell he's at the end of his jail cell <laughs> and so he is at the end of his life and he is like telling it like it is okay and so let's read second timothy 2 and i'm just going to read it because i'm he's just going to say it better than me so take a deep breath get ready for like a reading of the scripture okay okay so you then my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard me say and in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. A hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of, hold on just a second, a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying for the Lord will give you insight to all of this. Remember, Jesus Christ raised from the, from the dead descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Ooh, guys, God's word is not chained. 
Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. I mean, it's crazy he's just like naming them, you know? Who will have departed from the truth? I mean, it's, he, he just tells it like it is. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with his inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Do not have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful, Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them. Repentance leading to the knowledge of truth and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to his will. So very clear instructions saying, take what I'm teaching you and teach it to others. Also, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead is what we're living for and keep in mind to stop arguing and stop being like resentful and quarrelsome, petty things that tear apart the church. And that, and so that's like this major letter that he wrote right there at the end of his life. And he's talking about gossip and slander and quarrel, quarrelsome arguing that spreads like gangrene and, you know, hurts everybody. And so I feel like God is saying that to us right now. And the Papa Joe, if you know Papa Joe, he's like a, just a sweet, powerful, prophetic voice in the movement. And he sent us this word this week. And he said that he believes that the dragon, like that's been causing all this crazy um, chaos is out of fire. He was like, the dragon is out of fire. But its tail is still swinging. Its tail is swinging. And whenever he said that, I felt like what I, what I heard and interpreted, that tail swinging is this foolish arguing and the stupid arguments, the unneeded quarrels, especially among the church and among families, father to son, brother to brother, sister to mother, grandfather, he's trying to divide family and he's trying to divide the church family, you know, and trying to make every single thing sound like an accusation or an argument, you know, and I just feel like the Lord today, he is like wanting to say enough 
of that for all of us, you know, and that we're not going to be people easily offended and, oh, well, you said that in this way and it should have been said in that or they're just, and, like, and we want to be sensitive and we want to be honoring and we want to be hopeful, but God alone is perfect, you guys. No man will ever say it, do it, be it perfectly for you or for anyone. And so we can't look to any person to be perfect except for God alone because he is holy and there's no one beside him. And so if we're holding someone else up to perfectly execute anything in our life, our teacher, our lawmakers, our parents, whoever it is, we first of all will be disappointed and second of all we'll grow bitter and judgmental and critical and yucky. And we don't want those things inside of our heart. And I feel like, like I said earlier, with all the tensions being so high, I feel like the enemy is trying to do with that dream, like to strap us down and close our mouths and say, just be quiet. Just don't say it. It's just, just be quiet, you know? And I feel like the Lord and, and making the truth of the gospel, the simple, beautiful gospel sound um, like a lie or sound like it isn't true or sound like it's, it's mean or not holy or good. And that is not the truth, you guys. It's not the truth. The truth is, is that the gospel is the most accepting, loving, beautiful thing ever. And that walking in purity in accordance with the word of God is the safest, most abundant life that we could ever have. And being called to anything less than that isn't lining up to the Bible. Do you know what I'm saying? And that we have to be willing to say it in these days. Okay, and so it makes me think, she's showing us who we really follow. He's showing us who we really follow. Okay, so it makes me think of the silver chair. So you've got to buckle in one more time for like a little story, Narnia related, that might like have a few names in it that like feel awkward or something, but whatever. And so anyone familiar with the story of the silver chair? Okay, there's like five of us. So we'll, we'll, we'll journey together and then everyone else will listen. Okay, so, so C.S. Lewis had this beautiful gift of being able to write things like the great divorce or um, I don't know, what else? Like the abolition of man. What? The screw tape letters where you like read one page, you're like, I'm going to think about that page for the rest of my life and I'm never going to understand it again, you know? And then, and then you also, he like writes these children's stories where I'm like retelling the story this morning in front of Tyler and Evelyn and Evelyn was like, oh yeah, I get it, you know? Where these like really complex things, like in this children's story, Evelyn, six-year-old Evelyn's like, yeah, I got it. That makes total sense, you know? And so he just did that. I don't know. He's brilliant. Can't wait to talk to him in heaven. And so he makes basically taking this issue of, like, bondage, you know, that we talk about or, like, being enslaved to sin or whatever, and he, like, puts it in this story called The Silver Chair, and it makes it all come to life, okay? So what happens is Prince Rillian, um, the prince of, of Narnia, he is like they're on this picnic one day, basically, and his mother gets bit by a serpent, and the serpent kills her. And the serpent is actually this evil queen, evil. So serpent evil, Prince Rillian, Narnia, good, Aslan, king of Narnia, okay? Prince Rillian is destroyed by the death of his mother, and he goes off chasing this serpent, and he wants to avenge his mother's death. He wants to make this terrible, terrible thing that happened right and so he makes one huge mistake, which is he leaves the kingdom and he goes in search for the avenging his mother's death, you know? And 
through this, he keeps going on these long rides, and they keep, where's the prince? And then eventually he disappears. They don't know where he went. And what happened was he ended up being seduced by this witch who was no longer in the form of a serpent but turns into, like, this beautiful woman and, like, seduces him to believe that his new life's purpose, instead of being the prince of Narnia, is to follow her and actually destroy Narnia, okay? And so she keeps him captured in the underworld, okay, and tied to this chair, silver, the silver chair, hence the name of the book. Every night he has to sit in this chair because it's the only time of day that he's like in his right mind and remembers I'm the Prince of Narnia. I love Narnia and I'm trapped by an evil woman. And so instead of, and so all the time he's like enchanted by her except for that moment he's tied to the chair. And when he's tied to the chair is when the enchantment like regains its power okay so every night she ties him to this chair he gets re-enchanted and like is she's on this quest to make him go with her to like overthrow Narnia and like go up to the overworld to overthrow Narnia okay so Aslan asked these two children and a marsh wiggle okay so this is the part where I hope I wouldn't gonna lose you okay so marsh wiggle is like a it's like a creature in Narnia that's like those like simple peaceful like very simple-minded, like hardworking creature, kind of like think like, I don't know, like maybe like a grasshopper, I don't know. And so he, but like fun, his name's Puddleglum, okay? Puddleglum the Marshwickle, okay? You can get your giggles out about that, okay? And so Tyler was like laughing the whole time I was talking about Puddleglum. And so he and these two children are called upon by Aslan, specifically called upon to go on a quest to find Prince William and set him free. And so they have these signs and Aslan goes, remember the signs. Okay, there's like six, five, or I don't know how many. And like they have to say, he's, Aslan tells them, say them every night, every morning. Remember the signs, remember the signs, okay? And so they go on this crazy awesome adventure and it's the coolest book of all the adventures they go on and they mess up like almost all of the signs, okay? Because they're just children and they're, they mess them up. But one of the last signs was you will know Prince Rillian when he will be the first person who greets you or, or calls upon you to do something in the name of Aslan. And so they finally find Prince Rillian down in the underworld. They get down there and he's like, they're with him and he's tied to the chair, okay? And the, they had told, he had told them, when I'm tied to the chair, because he's enchanted, I will turn into this snake and I will eat you if you cut me loose. And so he's tied to the chair and they're all like so scared. And he's like, listen, this is the only time I'm actually saying I am the prince of Narnia in the name of Aslan set me free cut these binds off of me so I can go free and they're like oh my gosh should we do it like he's is he tricking us you know maybe someone told him that was the sign and he's just telling us the sign you know and they were like no no no, do it like so so they do it they cut him they set him free and the first thing he does is he takes his sword and he just like chops down that huge ugly terrible chair that had like been the source of his major enchantment or whatever and then he's got his sword and he's like bring it where is that where's the witch you know and so she finally comes in and they're all standing there puddle glum the marsh wiggle and the two kids and prince rillian and she walks in and she sees what's happened oh gosh they have set him free we're in trouble and so what she does is what i want to cleat all that story was just entertainment slash leading up to the point which is that 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 she she sees that he's been set free okay his friends set him free so like just like that picture of the people that cut the roof open and lowered 
lower the person down to Jesus. You know, it's like that's what they did. They set Prince Rillian free. And his pain, terrible, horrible pain of losing his mother brought him into this bondage. Do you see how that happened? And then she used the bondage of the pain to, to make him believe a complete lie about himself. Like, your purpose is to overthrow Narnia, which he was actually really already the ruler of, you know? And so, I mean, just completely, just totally trapped this guy in her evil lie. And they set him free. And he was like, no longer will I believe this lie. And so there they are. And she walks in. She's like, okay, now we're in trouble because he knows the truth. And he's not going back to the lie. And they're all with him now. So she gets this little, like, mandolin thing and, like, throws some kind of, like, stuff on the fire and it like is starting to like try to enchant all of them and she's like strumming and she starts to go tell me about this narnia where is it and they were like oh you know it's up there and she was like oh you mean like right above the roof there's a whole kingdom really huh and they're like well no no i mean it's just like it's like kind of above i mean it's you know it's just like up there and then she's like okay well well tell me what's different about it well there's a sun they were like she was like oh a sun never heard that word what's a sun and they're like, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's like kind of like that lamp, but bigger and brighter, and it like hangs in, in the sky, you know? And she's like, oh, really? That sounds like a childish fairy story. A big lamp hangs in the sky? Huh, I think you're just really good at making up childish fairy stories. Well, what else is there about, about Narnia? And Puddleglum was like, Aslan, there's Aslan, you know? Or one of them says it. And she's like, oh, oh Aslan. I like that name. And it says she starts to get a little nervous and play a little faster, you know? And she's like, that's a pretty name. What about Aslan? What's he like? And they're like, he's a lion. She's like, oh, what's a lion? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I mean, how do you describe a lion? You don't even know what a lion is, you know? And she's like, well, it's, it's like a cat, kind of, but like has a big mane and it's like really strong, you know? And she's like, oh, well, I think that the cat is really the real thing. And the lion is the fairy tale, you know? And it sounds like you're just making things up that sound really good, but the real thing is just the cat and the lamp. And here in this dark, this is really the only world that exists, this underworld, you know? And so out of all the people there, they, so it, it talks about like Prince Rillian again, and the other two start to like lull into her like lies. And of all the people, Puddleglum. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you what he does. And so Puddle Glum, he goes, um, so, okay, so he goes and the stuff she had put in the fire, he, he's like almost lulled into her lie and he goes and he stomps his foot in the fire and he knew it would hurt him. And what happened was at the same time that he stomped his foot in the fire, the smell of his burnt like rubber foot like took away the sweet, yucky smell that was enchanting them, and they all kind of woke up, and he screamed, so the pain woke him up, and it said, thirdly, the pain himself made Puddle Glum's head for a moment perfectly clear, and he knew exactly what he really thought. There is nothing like a good shock of pain for dissolving certain kinds of magic. One word, ma'am, he said, coming back from the fire, limping because of the pain, one word. All you have been saying is quite right. I shouldn't wonder. I'm a chap who always likes to know the worst and put a best based on it that I can. So I won't deny what any of you have, what any, I won't deny any of what you have said. But there is one thing more to be said, even so. 
Suppose we have only dreamed or made up all of those things, trees and grass and sun and moon and stars and Aslan himself. Suppose we have. Then all I can say is that in that case, the made up things seem a good deal more important than the real ones. Suppose this black pit of a kingdom of yours is the only world. Well, it strikes me as a pretty poor one. And that's the funny thing when you come to think of it. If we're just babies making up a game, if you're right, four babies playing a game can make a play world that licks your world hollow. And that's why I'm going to stand by the play world. I'm on Aslan's side, even if there isn't any Aslan to lead it. And I'm going to live like a Narnian, as I can if I can even say that there isn't any Narnia. So thanking you kindly for supper. If these two gentlemen and the young lady are ready, we're leaving your court at once and getting setting out in the dark to spend our lives looking for the overland. Not that our lives will be very long, should I think. <laughs> but that's a small loss if your world's as dull a place as you say. And then they all say, yay! And then she turns into a terrible snake again, and the prince kills her. And they go back to Narnia and live a happy life. And so... I love the story. It's one of my favorite stories of all time. And I feel like he wants us today to wake up. Wake up and say, heaven is real and Jesus is alive. And we're living for a kingdom that we are citizens of, that is far greater, that we will live in for all eternity. All eternity, it is greater than this world. That is what we live for, the day that we meet him face to face. And that if someone's saying, that couldn't really be true, the Bible couldn't really be true, listen, we need to be like Puddleglum, simple-minded and ready to say, we will go through whatever pain we need to to get to the truth and stand firm in it no matter what, what comes, okay? All right, and so I'm over time, so let's stand. And, we're, and what we're going to do is we're just going to read the end of Psalm 119, and we just are going to commit to being people who say whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is righteous, we're going to think about those things. We're going to fill our hearts. And so, and then we're going to just read this out loud together. Psalm 19, starting in verse 7. And I just think there's power when we, when we read it all aloud, okay? So just when you look at it, um, we'll get the uh, people singing. We're so thankful for the precious band. Okay. All right. Okay, so read it with me. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them is their great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Thank you, guys.